Ashley Brock and Nora Roberts book, Holding the Dream, Chapter 16. Kate had a long-standing con concept of what Sunday mornings were. They were for sleep. Throughout college, she had used them for extra study time or to finish up papers and projects. But once she entered the real world, she designated that time for indulgence. Byron had a different agenda. You got to resist both ways. He told her. Mentally isolate the muscles you're working on right here. He pressed his fingers to her triceps as she lifted and lowered the five-pound weight over her head behind her back. Don't flop your arm. You're, you're pulling it up and pushing it down through mud. Mud, right? She tried to envision a pool of thick, oozy mud instead of a nice soft bed and cool sheets. And why am I doing this? Because it's good for you. Good for me. She muttered and washed herself in the mirror. She had thought she would feel ridiculous in the little sports bra and snug bike pants, but it wasn't really so bad. Besides, she got to look at him too. A well-built man in a tank top and sweatshorts wasn't hard on the eyes at all. Now stretch, don't forget the stretch. Go to the set of concentration curls, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She sat on the bench, frowned at the weight she lifted, and lowered and tried to imagine her biceps growing. Goodbye, 102-pound weekly. She thought, hello, buff. <laughs> and when we're finished here, you're going to make French. And when we're finished here, you're going to make French toast, right? That was the deal. I've got me a personal trainer and a chef. She flashed her in pretty cool you're a lucky woman Catherine. other arm now concentrate he moved her through flies and deadlifts hammer lifts and extensions though he completed his sunday routine before hauling her out of bed they both worked up a nice wet by the time he proclaimed the finish so i'm gonna be buff huh he grinned rubbing her shoulder massaging his way down her arm sure you are kid We'll put you in one of those little bikinis, oil you up, and shoot you into competitions. In your dreams. Not my dreams, he said sincerely. Believe me, I've discovered this latent desire for skinny women. In fact, it's starting to stir right now. Is that so? She didn't object when his hands moved around her back, down the cup for bottom. I'm afraid it is. Hmm. His fingers rolled, clenched. This reminds me, tomorrow we work on the lower body. I hate those squats. That's because you don't have my vantage point. His gaze shifted to the mirror behind her, and he watched his hands take possession, watched her move against him, saw her shiver when he lowered his mouth to that wonderful curve of neck and shoulder. It was almost ridiculous the way he wanted her, the way the need would rise up time after time, again and again, like breathing, he thought, nibbling his way up to her ear, like life. <laughs> I think we should finish off your morning routine with a little aerobics. She managed to sound between her groan and say, Not the Nordic track, Byron. I'm begging you. I have something else in mind. His busy mouth skimmed over. He, I think you'll like it. Oh, she got the idea when his hand moved up to palm of rest. He did say that for overall training, aerobics is essential. Hmm. Just put yourself in my hands. I was hoping he'd say that. She gave so easily, he thought, so eagerly. The way her mouth moved on his, the mating of tongues, the press of bodies, all of his old fantasies about the women of his dreams had faded and shifted and emerged as her, only her, an image of her flickering in his mind, the way she looked the night before in that slim, shoulder-bearing dress, all that smooth skin, those surprising curves, that wide, wet mouth, and beneath the dress had been a wanting fantasy of black lace, 
the sight of her had been staggering and so unexpected. So impractical for his practical Kate was the sight of her had he had loved exploring, knowing she had been exploring it as well, had been brutally erotic. She was just as appealing to him now in damp workout gear that he could hastily peel off. Both of them were naked to the waist when they tumbled to the mat. She laughed, rolled with them as they tugged at those last barriers. It was wonderful, wasn't it? To feel so unbound, so completely liberated. She stopped questioning how it was. He knew just where, just how to touch her, as if he'd always known, and his body was so strong, so hard, it was like making love with a dream. Rolling on top of him, she poured the sheer joy of it into a kiss. Yes, touch me, she thought, and taste, here, and here, let me, again, always again, she thought as her heart pounded and her blood swarmed. Over and over, moment to moment, he could fill her with so many clashing sensations, the wave of the heat, the chill of anticipation, the shiver of greed, the warmth of giving. She wanted to hold him forever, to steep herself in him, lose herself, and so she took him inside her, trembling to a gasp at that the bright instant of joining. She arched back, savoring, tormenting herself with the power, groaning at the texture of his hands that slicked up her tortured up to torture her aching breasts. She held them there, her tense fingers gripping as she began to move. Staggered him, the look of her, the dark cap of hair framed her glowing face, breast heaved and hitched through her parted lips. That long swan's neck was bowed back, the door, though eyes closed, the sunlight poured in over her, so bright, so full, they might have been outdoors in some vernant meadow. <laughs> Can see her there, a hot blooded Titania, lusty and sleek. He wanted her to feed herself, feed herself to cetacean, but she increased the rhythm, driving him with her. Her moans and cries swarmed in his blood until they were thrust for desperate thrusts. Explored beneath her, into her, with one long glorifying sigh. She slid down and crushed her mouth to his. She sang in the shower. This was unusual, even when she was alone. Kate was well aware that she did not have a voice like a bell. As they lathered and soaked, he joined in for miserably off-key, in heartfelt version of Proud Mary. I can see to have nothing on us. She decided to see tower in her hair. Not a thing except maybe talent. Vine wraps the towel around his hips, rubbed his chin, prepared to shave. You're the first woman I've showered with who sings as badly as I do. She straightened, watching him lather. Oh, really? Just how many women might that be? The mind boggles. He couldn't at her, enjoying the lazy laser glim in her eyes. And a true gentleman never keeps score. She watched him swipe the razor through lather, leaving a smooth, clean path. It occurred to her she never actually watched a man shave before, unless she included Josh and her brother didn't count. But she refused to be distracted by the interesting male ritual. Instead, she smiled sweetly and looked over her shoulder into the foggy mirror. Why don't you let me do that for you, darling? He lifted an eyebrow. Do I look stupid enough to put a sharp instrument into your hands? He rises briskly. I don't think so. Coward. You betcha. She snorted, nipped his shoulder with her teeth, then headed toward the bedroom to go to Kate. He waited until she turned, aimed that smug look in his direction. There's only one woman now. He watched her quick, almost shy smile spread before she slipped out of the door. Thoughtfully, vines ripped off loud in her stubble. The room was full of mist and heat and their mixed scents. She'd hung her towel neatly and affectionately to dry. The little jar she used to moisturize her face sat on the counter. She'd forgotten to use it. She hadn't forgotten to put her workout clothes in the hamper or to replace the cap on the toothpaste. No, she should 
She would never overlook any practical detail. It was extra she forgot, particularly when they applied to herself. She wouldn't let herself browse through the shop dreaming and buy something foolish for herself. She wouldn't forget to turn off the lights or to give a faucet an extra twist to prevent a drip. <sighs> her bills would always be paid on time, but stopping to eat lunch would slip her mind when it was crowded with other details. She didn't have a clue that she needed him. Byron smiled as he lowered his head and rinsed off the excess lavender. Nor did she know what he just discovered. He no longer thought he might be falling in love with her. He knew that she, with all her contrasts and complexities, her strengths and weaknesses, was the only woman he would ever love. He dried his face, slapped on aftershave, and decided this might be the perfect time to sell her. Stepped into the bedroom. She was standing beside the bed in black leggings and an old Yankee sweatshirt. See this? She demanded, shaking a mangled rawhide bone at him. Yes, I do. It was in my shoe. How my shoe escaped the same treatment, I'm not sure. She tossed the bone to Byron and scooped her hands through her hair to check for dryness. It was Nip, that I'm sure of. Tuck has much better manners. Last week, it was that fish head he found on the beach. He was to be disciplined, Byron. He's very unruly. Now, Kate, is that any way to talk about our child? <laughs> She sighed, put her hands on her hips, and waited. I'll talk to him, but I'm sure if you consider the psychology of it, you agree that he puts things in your shoe as a token of his great affection. And that includes the time he peed in it? Well, I'm sure that was just a mistake. He rubbed a hand over his mouth, too wise to let the grin show. And it was outside. You took them off to walk on the beach, and... You're not buying it. I don't think you'll find it. It's so amusing if he was using your shoes for his dispensatory. As on on cue, there came the sound of frantic barking, of growing canine body stunning. I'll deal with them, Kate said. You're too soft. Yeah, and who bought them collars with their names on them? He muttered, what? Nothing. Retreating by and open the door for an underwear. I'll be down in a minute. To make French toast, she reminded him and rushed down to quiet the Okay, guys, kill the racket. Keep it up, and there's not going to be any walk on the beach, and nobody's going to play soccer with either of you. They rushed up and bumped against her, two of them alarmingly growing masses of furred feet. Even as she started to ruffle them, they raced toward the front door and set up a fresh din. You know you go out the back way, she began, then the ionic door ionic door chime sounded. It seemed Byron had decided they were whimsical when I kept them. Oh, ridiculously pleased. She'd been doing that. Pretty cool, guys. You were sounding the alarm. Listen, if anybody's stealing anything, I want you to do this. Like, like, very cheap. <laughs> she demonstrated, but they only thumped each other with their wagging tails and offered canine grunts. We'll work on it. She decided and opened the door. Her bright moved from Mr. Biddle. Automatically, she grabbed the collars to prevent the dogs from leaping joyfully on the new humans. Detective? I'm sorry to disturb you on Sunday, Kate. Little eyed dog. Detective Cusack indicated that he intended to speak with you today, and I asked to come along. Your lawyer said I would find you here, Cusack put in. You're free to call him, of course, if you want him here. I thought I was told I was no longer a suspect. I'm here to apologize. Biddle kept some eyes on her. May we come in? Yes, of course. Nip, tap, no jumping. Nice dog. Cusack held out a beefy hand and it was doofly snipped and licked. Got me an old Heinz 57 hound. She's getting up in years now.
Please sit down. I'll just put them out. That task gave her time to compose herself. When the dogs were racing manically over the yard, she turned back. Would you like some coffee? There's no need for you to trouble. Bettle began, but Cusack leaned back in the ancient recliners. If you're making it anyway, I'll make it. Byron volunteered as he came down the stairs. Oh, Byron, brilliant ripple through it. You know, Detective Cusack. Detective Mr. DeWitt. And this is Lawrence Biddle. Of Biddle and Associates. Brian said coolly. Byron said coolly. How do you do? I, I'd say I've done better. Bitter. Biddle, except for the formal hand Tom Means mentioned you. We had an early round of golf this morning. I'll put the coffee on. He said a look to Cusack that said as clearly as words that anything of important would wait until he came back. Nice place here, Cusack said casually. Kate stood where she was, twisting her fingers together. It's coming along. Byron takes his time. He just settled on it a couple months ago. He's um having some things sent out from Atlanta. That's where he's from. Oh, Anna. Stop babbling, Kate. She ordered herself. Couldn't. And he's looking... For things out here, furniture and things, out of a spot. Cusack settled in the recliner, thinking it was a chair that knew how to welcome a man. House just down the road has a putting green right on the front yawn. Lawn, he shook his head. Guy can walk right out his front door and sink a few. Used to drive the kids down here. They got a kick out of the sills. Yes, they're wonderful. Now on her lip, she glanced toward the kitchen. Sometimes you can hear them barking. Detective Cusack, are you here to question me? I've got some questions. He's not there. Nothing like the smell of coffee brewing, is there? Even the poison down at the station house smells like heaven before you taste it. Why don't you sit down, Miss Powell? I'll tell you again. You can lawyer yourself up, but you're not going to need Mr. Templeton from what we have to talk about. All right. But she didn't reserve judgment on calling Josh, who was not going to be lulled by small talk and per paranormal smiles what do you want mr dewitt showed you the report from his handwriting expert yes last night she sat on the arm of the couch it was the best she could do it said the signatures were copied someone duplicated my signature on the alternate form she used my signature my clients my reputation she rose again when byron came with a trick i'm sorry she said quickly for the trouble here don't be ridiculous he slid easily into the well-mannered hoofs how do you take your coffee, Mr. Biddle? Uh, it's just cream, thank you, Detective. The way it comes out of the pot, he sampled the brew buying off him. Now we're talking coffee. I was about to go over the progress of the investigation with Miss Powell. I'm explaining that our conclusions jive with those of your ind independent report. At this point, indications are that she was set up to take the heat if the discrepancies were discovered. We're looking to other areas. You mean other people? Kate said, struggling not to clatter her cup in her saucer. I'm seeing my investigation of moving along. I'd like to ask you if you had any idea who would focus on you as a scapegoat. There are a lot of accounts in the firm. Only those under your hand were touched. If someone did this to damage me, I don't have a clue. Maybe you were just convenient. The charges against your father made you prime. Maybe gave someone an idea. No one knew. I only found out myself shortly before the suspicion. Interesting. Then how did you find out? Absently, she rubbed a finger over her temple. And she explained. You have words with anybody? A tiff? A personal clash? Maybe. I didn't have a fight with anyone. Not everyone in the firm is close friend and confidant, but we work well together. No grudge matches, pretty convincing. 
Nothing out of the ordinary. She set her coffee aside, nearly untasted. Nancy and Billy and I squared off over a misplaced voice during the April crunch. Tempers are high. Then, I think I snapped at Bill Finstein for taking half my computer paper instead of going into stock himself. She smiled a little. He stuck three cases of it in my office to get back at me for that. Ms. Newman doesn't like me, but she doesn't like anyone but Mr. Beaner Sr. Then I stared into his mouth. Ms. Newman is effective and a bit territorial. He wins like Tuesday. Eventually making note. She worked for me for 20 years. I didn't mean she would... Do something like this, or if I keep going, I didn't mean that at all. I wouldn't accuse anyone. You might as well say Amanda Devin did it. She guards her lone female partner status like a hawk watching for vultures, or uh, Mike Floyd in the mailroom because he can't afford to go to college full time, or Stu Kormoski because I wouldn't go out with him, Roger Thornhill because I did. Lord and Kormoski and Thornhill. Kusak Mustard is he wrote, he can't stop her pacing. You write whatever you want to write in that little book of yours, but I'm going to go around cast. I'm not going to go around casting. Like she lifted her chin, saying, "I know how it feels." Miss Powell, watching her Cusack tap the stubborn pencil against his knee. This is a police investigation. We're involved. Every member of your formal firm is going to be considered. It's a long process. With your cooperation, it can be short. I don't know anything, she says suddenly. I don't know anyone who needed money that badly or who would choose to implicate me in a crime. I do not know. I do know I've already paid all I intend to pay for something I didn't do. If you want to ruin someone else's life, it takes a few hours to do it without me. <laughs> I appreciate your precision, Miss Powell. You're insulted, and I can't blame you. You do your job. Do what's expected of you and go the extra mile. You see what you've been aiming for, swing just into reach, then you get kicked in the teeth. That's a nice and very accurate summary. If I knew who did the kicking, I'd be the first to tell you. But I'm not going to be put someone whose only crime was to irritate me into the position I've been in. Think about it, he suggested. You've got a good brain. Once you set your mind figuring it out, I have a hunch you'll come up with something. But Detective Rose and Biddle followed his lead saying, We'll go, Kate. I'd like another moment of your time. In private, if there's no objection. All right, I. She glanced at Byron. Perhaps you'd like to see the view, Detective. Byron dressed and then led the way to the deck. Did I hear you say you have a dog? Oh, old Sally. Ugly as a homemade sin, but sweet as they come. His voice faded away as Byron closed the door. An apology isn't enough. It'll begin without forgiving. It is far from enough. I'm trying to be fair to understand the position you are in, Mr. Biddle. It's difficult. You watched me grow up. You know my family. You should have known me. You're quite right. Very old. Very old and very tired. I've damaged my friendship with your uncle. A friendship that is very important to me. Uncle Tommy doesn't hold grudges. No, but I hurt one of his children, and that isn't easy for either of us to forget. I can tell you, for what it's worth, that none of us initially believed you would do anything criminal. We needed an explanation, and your reaction to the questions was, well, damn, understandable now under the circumstances, but then you didn't know about my father then, did you? No, we learned about it later. There was a copy of a newspaper article in your office. Oh, as simple as that, she thought, and that's stupid. She must have missed one when she stuffed them into her briefcase. I see. That made it all worse. It clouded the issue. I should tell you that when Detective Cusack contacted me, I was immensely relieved and not terribly surprised. I could never recall the woman I knew was one who would cheat. But you recalled it enough to suspend me, she said and heard the bitterness of her own voice. Yes, 
however much I regret it and however much I regret it now, I had no choice. I have called each of the partners and relayed this new information. We're meeting in an hour to discuss it and to discuss the fact that we have an investor in our employee. He paused a moment, gathered thoughts. You're very young. It would be difficult for you to understand the dreams of a lifetime. And the way they changed at my age, you have to be very careful, very selective about dreams. You begin to become aware that each one may be your last. The firm has been mine for most of my life. I've nurtured it, sweated over it, become my brought my children into it smiling an accounting firm doesn't seem like something anyone would dream over i understand she wanted to touch his arm but couldn't i thought you might it's a reputation its reputation is my reputation having it damaged in this way makes me realize how fragile even such a prosmatic dream can be she couldn't help but men it's a good firm mr biddle you may something solid there the people who work for you work for you because you treat them well because you make them part of the whole. That isn't really pessimistic. I'd like you to consider coming back. I realize that you may feel uncomfortable doing so until after this matter is fully resolved. However, Biddle and Associates would be very fortunate to have you back on board as a full partner. Which he didn't speak, he took a step forward toward Kate. I don't know whether this will make matters worse or better between us, but I want you to know that this offer had already been discussed and voted on prior to this this nightmare. You are unanimously approved. She had to ease herself back down on the arm of the chair. You were going to make me a partner? Marty nominated you. I hope you're aware that you always had his complete trust and support. Amanda seconded your nomination. Ah. Uh, I believe that was why she was so harsh when she believed you had taken the money from escrow. You earned the offer, Kate. I hope once you've had time to think it's over, you'll accept it. It was difficult to deal with despair and elation at once. Not long before, she would have leaped at such an offer, seized it, hugged it to her. She opened her mouth, certain that acceptance would pop out. I do need some time. She heard her own words, but it kind of begs surprise. I have to think it through. Of course you do. Please, before you consider going elsewhere, give us a chance to negotiate. Yes, I will. Shout out here. This is Byron and the detective. Thank you for coming to see me. She was still dazed when she let Biddle and Detective Cusack out, said her goodbyes. In silence, she walked back into the house with Byron, staring at nothing. Whoa, he prompted. He offered me a partnership. <laughs> she said each word slowly, unsure whether she was saving them or weighing them. Not just to make up for all this. They already voted on it before everything got screwed up. He's willing to negotiate my terms. Firing Why aren't you smiling? Huh? She blinked, stared at him. The person left a partnership. She threw her arms around his neck and let him swing her. Byron, I can't tell you what this means to me. I'm too dazzled to tell myself. It's like it's like being cut from the miners to being signed to back cleanup for the Yankees. Brave, she directed on team loyalty to the last. Congratulate, congratulations. I think we should have mimosas with that French toast. Let's see, Kissy Mart and go light on the OJ. A dollop recalled. He assured her as they walked into the kitchen arm in arm. He released her to get champagne out of her. Well, aren't you going to pick up the phone? She opened the last front of the cabinet that held his wine glasses. The phone to call your family. Uh oh. This is too big for the phone. As soon as we eat, she grinned foolishly at the pop of the cork. 
I'm going to Templeton House. This requires a personal touch. It's the perfect way to send Aunt Susan and Uncle Tommy back to France. The minute he finished pouring, she looked at her glass. Here's to the IRS. Yes, do we have to? Okay, what the hell? Here's to me. She drank for once, then drank again. You'll come with me, won't you? We'll get Mrs. Williamson to make one of her incredible dinners. We'll take the dogs, too. We can... What are you looking at? You. I like seeing you happy. Get that French toast going, and you'll see me ecstatic. I'm starving. Give the master room, please. He took out eggs and milk. Why don't we swing by your apartment and pick up a few more of your things? We can extend our celebration by having you stay another night. Okay. She was too high to think of objecting, though it broke her unspoken rule of staying more than two nights running. I'll get it, she said on the phone. You keep cooking and use lots of cinnamon. Hello, Laura. Hi. I was just thinking about you. Grinning, she swung over to the neighbor Byron's ear as he whisked. We were going to come over later and invite ourselves to dinner. I have some news that I... What? She fell into silence. In her hand, she lifted the mask with Byron's hair and dropped back to her side. When? At the... Yes. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. We'll be right there. We're on our way. It's Margo. She said, bubbling to disconnect the phone with the phone. Josh took to the hospital. The baby? I don't know. I just don't know. It's easy. It's too early for the baby. She... She had pain and some bleeding. Oh, God, Byron. Come on. He lashed her hand and reached for, his, reached for hers. His. Let's go. 